This is the Gratitude Journal Podcast. Hello, welcome, greetings, salutations, and all the other vernacular that is usually used to invite somebody in. (laughs) It's Matthew here, and uh, thanks for uh, checking in on yet another episode of the Gratitude Journal Podcast. I think we're up to seven listeners now. (laughs) Hey, seven downloads, that's better than zero downloads, okay? Uh, So for that, I am grateful. It's uh, another cold day here in Northeast Ohio. It's been another cold week, and we've been dealing with uh, illness in our house. My wife has been tagged with something really now going on week number two. We've gone through a round of antibiotics and a bunch of over-the-counter stuff, much of it far too expensive, and she just can't crack it. And I had a couple of bad days earlier this week, although I think I'm sounding and feeling relatively okay. Knock on wood. That's a wood desk. And so we're just plowing through it all. Because these are the months... These are the months that, uh, that test you, the months that try men's souls and women's souls, at least here in our part of the world. It's those two months, January, February, where you just try your level best to get through them because you know once you get into March, even though we've had wacky weather in March, that uh, opening day for baseball is not too terribly far down the road. And that means that maybe winter will hide its extraordinarily ugly face (laughs) and go away. But sometimes we have to be thankful for winter. Sometimes the winter walk is for me, pretty rejuvenating. I just got back from my walk, and I'm grateful that I actually get to take a walk. I love walking. In fact, in my early years, when I would go jogging or running, it was always more jogging for me, since I always carried weight, and still do to a certain extent. It was also a cheap form of exercise, because really all I needed was about three or four sweatshirts on a day like today and a decent pair of shoes as opposed to having a membership and joining a gym. But I don't do running anymore. I can't really run, per se. Uh, It's hard on my hips. And really, most of the doctors, the primary care physicians I've had over the past several years have said, listen, if you don't have to run at your age, oh, they had to bring that phrase in, at your age, you probably shouldn't do it. Walking is just as good. And it is just as good. When we go back to West Virginia to visit family and we go to uh, Cortland Acres, the assisted living facility there where my cousin Champ is, his name is Stan. We've always called him Champ ever since we were kids. And everybody knows him as Champ. I'll talk about Champ a little later, maybe in another episode, because we're gearing up for a documentary film on Champ. But when we go to visit Champ, 
Champ has multiple sclerosis and he hasn't been able to walk. He hasn't been out of a wheelchair in probably over 20 years. So sometimes on a walk like today, I think about Champ. I think about how Champ would love to walk on a day like today. And a day like today is a great day for a walk. It's cold. It's bone-chilling cold. I don't mean Arctic cold. It's just, it's the kind of cold that seeps into the inner workings of your bone structure and you just almost shiver at the sight of looking outside at the cold. But there's no wind to speak of and there's no precipitation on the ground. So I don't have to risk slipping on a piece of ice, which I'm prone to do. And it was an enjoyable walk. So I'm grateful that I'm able to actually walk because I don't look forward at all to the time when I may not be able to walk. So you seven listeners out there, you seven uh, downloaders out there, (laughs) put on your comfortable shoes and go for a good walk, a brisk walk, a walk where you can fill your lungs up and at the same time fill your head with thought and answer some questions or do the Zen thing and try to eliminate the thought and make it a walking meditation. That would be my suggestion for you. At the end of my walk, the street that I come down, I'm always confronted with the front of our house. And one of the things that I've been struggling with lately, and it might not only just be lately, it might be something that I've actually struggled with for actually quite a while. And that is the issues I have when people say to me, and Donna says this too, my wife, bloom where you're planted. And I have some trouble with that. I always have had trouble with that. Both the act of getting established, especially when you're in a new place, and then justifying why you went to that place in the first place. My chosen profession has given us an opportunity to move around quite a bit. And I won't bore you with all the salient details, but my job as a broadcaster has given us a chance to be in a couple of different locales. Those are all my choice. I mean, for maybe a couple of them, someone might have heard something that I had done work-wise and said, how would you like to be here doing that work? But really, for the most part, it was me seeking situations out. And quite honestly, they were situations where I just wanted to earn more money. So from that standpoint, I have no regrets choosing a place to live simply because I try to better myself. Now that is a philosophy my siblings don't exactly share. 
because my siblings haven't really lived anywhere else aside from here in Northeast Ohio. A couple of them went away to school, maybe to another part of the state, but none of them have lived outside of the state. And in some cases, most of them have never lived outside of the county where we were born and raised. And I bring that up because there are some times when I'm on my walk and I almost get a kind of a premonition. I don't even know if that's the correct word to choose. It's a feeling that this time next year, I may be walking on different streets. Now, I have no good reason to give you that would point me in that direction that we're going to relocate to a new place. But there's just a feeling that I get that changes on the horizon. And again, I have no logic affiliated with that feeling. But I'm sure you've probably felt that too, this kind of feeling where something's going to change. Something doesn't feel quite right, or something feels pretty right, more right than it's ever felt, which means that I'm going to be altering my course of direction and going somewhere else, or starting a new job, or I sense tremors in the force in our relationship, or something that leads you to believe that something is amiss. And again, I can't spend a whole podcast talking about that because I don't have any verifiable data to back it up. But it's just something that I feel. Because this place where we've lived, if my math serves me correctly, it may be the longest time that we've ever spent in any one place together as a married couple and as a not married couple. (laughs) And we've been in Washington, D.C. a couple of times. We've been to Knoxville, Tennessee. We lived in Pittsburgh. We lived in the St. Louis area. And we've lived in various spots in and around Northeast Ohio. But I don't believe that any of those spots, and we lived in one spot here in Northeast Ohio twice. So we lived in another place in Akron, and we moved to Washington, D.C., and then we came back to that same house four months later. It was really funny. Neighbors were chuckling and guffawing over the fact that, well, we had just moved those boxes out four months ago. Now we're moving those boxes back in. But this is the longest space of time that we've ever lived in any one place. And it's not a place that I really wanted to move into. But Donna felt it necessary to come home. And in many ways, I'm grateful that we did. Even though it wouldn't have been my first choice, I'm grateful that we did. But this blooming where you're planted, sometimes I have trouble with that. I mentioned my siblings previously. And sometimes when I'm around them, I see the way they integrate with other people who they've known for a long time. Like if I show up at a football game, 
a high school football game. And I'm standing next to a brother, and someone will come up who I kind of casually recognize, but I don't really know. And that person might be the father of student in one of their classes, or maybe they're on a team together. And they've known each other for a long time. And that brother of mine may introduce me to them, and they may say, oh, yeah, hey, how are you doing? And then I watch them talk, and I'm thinking to myself, all of those years that we've moved around, all of those places that we've been, these two people have known each other. They've talked celebrated things, maybe hung out and had a beer. And my siblings have a lot of those relationships with people. And then for us, it's living in a certain area for a certain amount of time and then leaving and going to another area and trying to develop new friends or acquaintances trying to bloom where you're planted. And so I asked myself, well, which is better? What would have been the better course of action? Would it have been better for me to be like them and stay in this one county all my life and establish those relationships? Because a lot of them look nice. They look good. I don't have too many friends that I've been friends with for 40 years. I have a couple. I cherish them. But some of these relationships that my siblings have with various people who they've gone to church with or been on committees with or they've gone to sports teams with or even go on vacation together, they've known them for 40, 50 years. So is it better? To be in that one place? Or is it better to branch out and explore and to find new things? Sometimes during our Saturday coffee sessions, I pose that to Donna. And sometimes she gives me different answers. Because this is a person who has had twice the amount of travel and living in other places experiences than I have. She was married before to someone in the Navy. She's lived in Okinawa. She's lived in Germany. She lived in Maryland. She lived in Hawaii. She lived in Ohio. So this is a person who's used to being a vagabond. But which is better? Which should I be more thankful for? Which should I show more gratitude for? Suppose we all can say, well, if I never took a job at this place, I would have never met this person. Or had I chose this parish over this parish, then I wouldn't have developed these friendships because I never would have known these people. In our case, it would have been, well, had we never moved to Pittsburgh, I would have never known Rich and Jamie Durkee. And, and, and the list could go on and on. So I feel a sense of uncertainty when I approach this, both with her and in my own mind, during my meditative walks. Which would have been better? 
When we moved to the St. Louis area, it really wasn't for a job for me. It was for a job for her. And I had been forced to reestablish myself as an entrepreneur because I had lost my position. And she had had an opportunity to work for her son, who was already established there and living there in the Illinois suburbs of St. Louis. So that's where we moved. We went there. So when I think about going to these other places, I think about the people that we've met in all of these other places. My mom will ask me sometimes, well, where did you like to live the best? And it's a hard question to answer because really all of the places that we've lived all had positive things about them. The one that immediately comes to mind as being maybe the most ho-hum of all the places we've lived was probably the Illinois suburbs of St. Louis, which looked remarkably like the Ohio suburbs of Akron. (laughs) Pretty nondescript. But we would never have met possibly the best neighbors we ever had any place we've ever lived. And that was Pat and Kathy Hedger. I'm grateful to have known them every day because they epitomize the perfect neighbor. They would do anything for you. They were welcoming us the minute the rider truck pulled into the driveway. In infinitely good moods, quite literally all the time. I'm not talking about fake good moods. It's it's amazing how positive they were about literally everything. It doesn't suggest that they didn't get angry or they didn't get upset with their kids because they did. You know, the one time Doug left the lawnmower out in the rain or you know, I'm not talking about fake, plastic, synthetic, outward stuff. It was just always a joy to be around them because they just seem to always find good things about the day-to-day life experience. One Saturday... Shortly after we had gotten Maggie, the dog that we rescued from the no-kill shelter, who, quite honestly, I think about every day on my walk. I, I don't know that there's a day where I don't think about that dog. And if you're an animal lover, you probably know what I'm talking about. And I love our little dog, Izzy, now who we also rescued, but there was just something remarkably special about that dog. I, I still can't put my, I still can't put my, I can't figure out exactly why. This coming March 7th, it'll be three years since we had to put her to sleep. And I really quite literally don't think there's ever been a day that I haven't thought about that dog. And I think about that particular day on Saturday, 
when it was, it was pouring the rain, it was slightly chilly, it was a little windy, and for whatever reason, Maggie, this dog, who was an incredibly loyal boundary follower for being a relatively new dog to our home, she really knew kind of where she could go and where she couldn't go. For whatever reason, she chased something out of the yard. And it was pretty commonplace in our neighborhood, which was a little bit rural. We didn't have sidewalks. There were a number of homes that were on double lots, and there were woods behind a lot of the homes in that sliver of a neighborhood. And for whatever reason, she left the yard to chase after something. So I was outside whistling and walking up and down the street. And Kathy came home from doing something and she pulled in the driveway and she said, what's going on? And I said, oh, Maggie's chasing something. I don't know. She ran off. And she said, Maggie ran off? And I said, yeah, I, I don't know what happened. And so she ran inside and she got an umbrella and she came back out and, and she walked the opposite side of the street to help me look. And then Donna came home. And I said, well, Maggie's gone. So she got an umbrella and she started to walk the streets and go behind people's houses to look for her too. And the rain was pouring. It was pouring that day. So Kathy called Pat, her husband, on a Saturday. He was working. He was doing something at work. He said, can you come home and help Matt and Donna find Maggie. Now imagine that. Imagine that. You're sitting at your desk. And you get a phone call. And someone says, hey, our neighbors lost their dog. Can you help? And most people are like, okay, like I'm not leaving work. Okay. To look for someone's dog. That's not what, who they were. It's not the kind of people they were and are. So he came home from work. So here's all four of us marching up and down the streets behind people's houses in the pouring rain. It's kind of bone-chilling cold, like today, except it's full of precipitation. Looking for this dog. And Kathy went home for something, I don't know what, maybe an extra coat. And I was walking alongside Pat and his phone rang. And he answered his phone and he said, hey, Kathy wants to talk to you. So I said, hello. And she said, there's somebody sitting by your back door. And I knew that Maggie had come home. She found her way home. But we just marveled at that the rest of the day and have marveled at it since that those two people would like take close to an hour out of their day to march up and down the street with umbrellas in the pouring rain looking for a dog that wasn't theirs. But that's the kind of people they were. And Pat could do anything. He could fix anything. He could do anything. 
Oh, something's wrong with the plumbing in the basement. Call Pat. Boom, there he is. Oh, uh, gotta drop my car off to so-and-so. I wonder if Pat will be able to give me a ride and pick me up. Boom, there he was. We would set up a a portable fire, like a fire pit, in the driveway some nights. And just sit around that fire pit. And just talk and drink beer. Pat was a big beer drinker. A lover of hops. The more hops, the better. Some days on this walk, on my walk, I think, I think about that. I think about these two people who were so good to us. And the last night that we were there before we moved, we went to a sports bar to watch the Browns. But now Pat and Kathy have no connection to Cleveland sports, nothing. But because their neighbors were fanatics about Cleveland sports, they became fans of Cleveland sports. We, they rooted for them just because we were rooting for them. And after that game that night, we were riding home and I said, you know, I'm not sure exactly what the complete appreciation is for someone who is a Christian, quote unquote, because Pat and Kathy were were pretty devoted to their church. But they never flaunted that at all. They never, you would never know that they were devoted church-going Christians. They didn't wear it on their sleeve at all. At all. And I said, you two are the epitome of what it means to be a good Christian because you practice what you preach. And I was just so grateful that we had these two people watching out for us. These two people that we were able to share so many fun things with. And so I wonder when I see my siblings talking to their friends, would it have been better to stay put and develop those long relationships? Or was it better for us to, to have done what we did? We saw Pat and Kathy this summer, this past summer, when we went Back to check on Mally, our granddaughter, who has been doing remarkably well since her new cancer diagnosis the year before. And we wanted to make sure that we got together with them. And they don't live in the same house um, anymore. They live in a town about 30 miles north of where we all lived. And so during our visit, I reminded them about that day finding Mag, and they both remembered it clearly. And I also reminded them that they were the best neighbors that we ever had. And had we never moved to the St. Louis area, we would never have known them. 
so I don't know which is better. And I don't know whether the best thing to do is to follow that feeling that you have that something's awry, something's amiss, something is going to poke some change in the air and you need to follow that or to stay put. It's fodder for another podcast. But this past December marked our 10th year here. And I can remember it as clear as a bell pulling up in a car followed by a semi-truck carrying 13,000 pounds of stuff meant for a house twice the size. All the stuff that was in our Illinois home fitting in this house that needed a ton of renovation and a ton of work and knowing we were there to cut back on expenses and to downsize and to make a smart financial move. Missing our neighbors and family and then wondering what it would be like now to reestablish ourselves with family that we have here. And the results of that reestablishment <laughs> fodder for another podcast. But I'm grateful, regardless of whether this de those decisions were smart or not smart. Grateful for our neighbors. And grateful that I'm able today to walk around and think about them. Because Cousin Champ can't walk. And if you can walk, you should. Go for a walk. And be thankful that you can. I'm also thankful that you chose to pop in on another edition of the Gratitude Journal podcast. Podcast.